All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, we've got Wade with us. He is an advisor to the American Anti-Cancer Institute, certified sports nutritionist, three-time all-natural national bodybuilding champion. So awesome. Former Mr. Universe competitor. He's been in the health industry for over 25 years and has coached thousands of clients worldwide. He's also president and co-founder of Bioptimizers, a company whose mission is to discover, present, and share supplement products and health strategies backed by cutting edge research that leads to a happier, healthier, and more fulfilling lifestyle. Also proud sponsor of this show for the next few months. And as you hear in the read, uh, I'm a big fan of the product. So it's great to have you on the show. Welcome, Wade. Mark, great to be here. Before we dive into your work and your story and some of the stuff that you're you're doing right now, everyone gets the same opening question on this show, and it's to avoid job titles. It's just to get into, you know, who are you? Like, who is Wade? How do you define yourself today? Yeah. Um, essentially, I'm a yogi. Uh, okay. One who seeks union with divinity, which is everything that is. And in order to do that, one has to cultivate a philosophy. And within that philosophy, one has to cultivate a set of practices. And those practices evolve over time and involve the integration and the letting go of things at various stages of development, life, what goes on. And that to me is what being a human is about. Um, we've bought into the story about name, fame, career, accomplishments, possessions, attachments, you know. But at the end of the day, um, we all die. Yeah. The inevitable is going to occur probably sooner than most of us want to admit or would like to consider. And so we put in the West, we put this inside of this kind of an antiseptic kind of box that we never really look at. And until one fully comes to grips with their own demise, their own death, the, the absolute certainty that this state of consciousness will terminate. Now, it, does it end forever? Does it evolve into something else? Well, that's a whole existential question that people have been trying to answer for years. Sure. And I have my <laughs> own take on it. But... When you deal with that, you start asking your set, it's a different set of questions. And the quality of your life is directly proportionate to the quality of questions you ask yourself and the frequency from which you review those answers or cultivate new questions. Are you trying to sell my book for me, Wade? <laughs> <laughs> the listeners of the show are well aware of personal Socrates, but you just nailed the whole premise of the book. Continue, please. <laughs> so, so circumstances in my early life led me to ask questions I couldn't get the answers from those who were my superiors or those who were in authoritative positions over me as a child. Okay which led to a considerable amount of frustration. Now, 
you have two options. That is to go along with the frustration and kind of accept, well, this is the way things are. Or you imagine how things could be and you commit to the pursuit of those regardless of the consequences, regardless of what other people think of you, regardless of the potential unfruitfulness of that mm -hmm. endeavor. You go not for the outcome, but for the adventure, the hero's journey, yeah. the, the idea of discovering that which is unknown, mm. that which is potential, and that which is in alignment with your soul's call, your purpose, the, what it is that you want, what it is that you are, how it is that you are an essential integrated aspect of all that is in this finite, limited form as we are and move closer to the truth. And that is why I'm a yogi and in pursuit of that and have been all my life, which has led to a varied existence, at least to a certain extent. A varied existence. I love that. It's, I'm curious, uh, Wade, because typically there's some life experience that happens and, and someone, sometimes people never hit the, essentially the realization that what you're talking about, that there's, you know, it's, it's about that journey and, and whatnot. And you start asking really, uh, pointed questions, but what led up to that point for you? Like when, when did things switch? Great question. Um, I think there was a couple of inflection points. The first one I can recall was in grade three and mm -hmm. I had been a, a, an avid student and I finished all my books usually by October of the school year. I would finish my reader, my math book, my spelling book, everything in the pursuit that I was like, I want to advance to the next stage and to do so, because I loved learning. But they implemented a policy. So I went my first year, I didn't get to put ahead. I, I went my second year, I, I didn't get put ahead. And I, and I, in grade three, I came to the teacher who was also the vice principal of the school. And I said, I'm finished all my books again, it's October, <laughs> I did this, last year and I did that the year before and I'm in grade three, I want to get on to grade four. How do I get to the next point? And they're like, oh no, we don't, we, we have a policy. Don't you love policies <laughs> that you can't advance We're, we've, we, we don't advance kids in school anymore. And I went, wait a minute. So you mean it doesn't matter if I get a hundred percent on the test, 90% on the test, 80% on the test, 70% on the test. Like I still can't move ahead any further. Correct. And I'm like, so what's the point of getting 95 on the test or working really hard for this? And they're like, well, because it's good to get an A. Well, that wasn't a good enough answer. Yeah. And I can remember stepping back and looking through a tunnel, which appeared to be my life in school for the next decade. And I was like, oh man, this sucks. Well, I need to find a way to make this 10 years bearable because at that point it seemed like a prison sentence. Yeah. So I thought, what do I need to do? And I got into number one, having fun hmm. along the way. So I learned to enjoy along the way. Number two, I got into philosophy. I started reading Greek classics and immersing Man. myself into, um, what seemed like entertaining stories, but were actually implanted with philosophical ideas that those seeds were planted, which I think planted, um, you know, various 
aha moments or investigations later on in life that I didn't fully understand at the time. You know, I'm reading about Troy and the, you know, Hercules and Achilles and all these characters. And it seems like a fascinating story, but I don't realize the implanting that's happening within those, which Huge. will later bear fruit as, as life goes on. And then the second thing that happened is when I was 15, my sister was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's disease. And I watched over the next four years before she died. She was four years my senior. She died at the age of 22, very young. And I realized oh, wow, your life isn't a guarantee and your health isn't a guarantee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and also around that time, my, my cousin had died in a car accident uh, suddenly also at 22. And I was like, wow, man, you, you, can, you can really, some bad things can happen to you really inadvertently, not your fault. Like you, so then it's like, well, how long do I have to live? Yeah and, yeah. and do I want to do what is normal or put off to, to, you know, we'll do that next year, next month, next year. And having no exposure to excellence. The only thing I found was my sister gave me a bodybuilding magazine, had Troy Zuclato on the cover, two pretty girls as muscular guys. Like, wow, that looks like a good thing to get these girls. So I bought the Joe Eater Live, but then I discovered Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. maybe one of the greatest goal achievers of this century, mm -hmm. um, you know, he became wildly successful in four very complex fields, you know, sport, bodybuilding, business, became multimillionaire early in his, in his, in the sixties when a million dollars, a lot of money became the highest paid actor in, in the world and became governor each, any one of those things. You're, you're so right. It's true. Is, 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 and so he wrote in his book, you can achieve anything that you want in life if you're willing to put hard work, self-discipline, and a positive attitude. Well, everybody I was around in, you know, rural Canada was uh, working hard. But self-discipline and a positive attitude, that was not in any aspect of the lexicon yeah. <laughs> or the culture. And so these ideas fascinated me and I learned the principles, my sadhana, they would call it in yoga, my pursuit of the truth began in a frozen barn at 20 below zero with a York dumbbell set and a barbell set and lifting weights and seeing minuscule progress day by day, week by week, year by year. That's where it all began and, and it's never stopped. Wow. Yeah. And what was it? Because you grew up in in the Maritimes, right? In yeah. Nova Scotia? Yeah. Well, New Brunswick, yeah. New Brunswick, yeah. What, like, were you the odd guy out? Oh, yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> well, especially because, here's the thing. We moved from a little small village when I was 15. So my sister got sick. We moved to a village. We moved to this it was five miles to my nearest neighbor on a dirt road. Like the telephone poles ended on my line. Um, I had to take a snowmobile lots of times to get down to the road to catch the bus, which is an hour. Wow. Each way. So I was literally the guy that went uphill both ways. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I really was that guy. I was that guy. And so I'm spending two and a half hours a day in transport in rural conditions and, and, and then in my off time, there's no internet. Yeah. You can't call, there's no cell phones. There's no phoning. So you, you are left 
in what is almost like an ashram-like existence. And inside of that, I read a lot and I started to contemplate and I became observant. And so when I was inserted into the natural environments of of people, and we had very wealthy people coming because it was a resort that my parents were taking care of. We had the mid-manager people, and then we had the blue-collar people that were taking care of. So I got exposed to all these different cultures. I got exposed to all these different conditions. I was a successful hockey player, so I traveled around and saw different lives and was billeted out and saw a lot there. Okay. And then I had all this time by myself, and I began training in my barn by myself because it was the only thing I could control in a very uncontrollable life as a teenager. And that, as much as I hated at the time, led the foundational principles. It was the best existence I could possibly have, yeah. uh, difficult as it was. And of course, that e- immediately put you somewhat as an outcast because I could see things that other people couldn't see, yeah. including my teachers. And I, dr- I drive my teachers mental uh, because I would be able to see their behaviors, their motivations. And I would call them out on it in class, which of course they get flipping freaked out about, and that would cause chaos. And I had a great entertainment doing it. So yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a mosh pit. Well, it seems to me like that's where that grade three, uh, stoic philosophy came into play, you know, focusing on what you can control. You might not have been thinking about that uh, consciously, but essentially that, at least that's what I get the, the most out of uh, Stoic philosophy. It's, it's always focusing on what you can control and, and, and managing emotions and whatnot. So it's interesting that you, know, you were reading that work at that age and saying... <laughs> Probably some past life carryover or something. Yeah. It has to be. It has to be because there's no evidence that the environment would constitute that. Yeah, yeah. So... Then, then how did the how did the journey unfold? Like, what were some of the I guess some of the milestones for you as you left school? And yeah. I mean, obviously, you're you're at where you're at right now with bioptimizers, but there there was a hell of a ride before that. That's yeah, twenty two. I had a near death experience, and that turned my university education upside down. Okay, I become frustrated with the institutionalization uh, components of the education system, and. Um, when I had the near death experience and, um, you know, the veil was torn open and went through the life experience, I realized that I wasn't a very good person. And that as I experienced my life review, I saw my entire, not like how I impacted other people in a negative way. I felt their feelings. I felt their pain. I felt what I was. And I remember this feeling of Mm. self-loathing and I didn't, I wasn't judged by any entity. I was judged. I judged myself within the perfection of eternity and its essence, which some people call God, universe, divinity, whatever you want to call it. it and it's an aspect of consciousness that permeates through us uh, as we get to that state. And so everything seemed like kindergarten after that. I mean, this university was saying, and I had read a book Napoleon's Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And I was reading this and studying it with a friend of mine who was, um, turns out he was a super great physicist. He ended up running, running the Gottlieb Space Center. Okay. In NASA. We were buddies and we were kind of Mutt and Jeff. And we had read this book together and we tried a few business endeavors together and we we're trying to figure out how we could transcend our humble beginnings. And um, I said, well, you know, he was going to quit school and become a piano tuner. And I said, you know, I think you've got more capability here inside the institution. Go to your 
why don't you go to the dean, the dean of the university who knows you and tell them you're frustrated. Maybe they'll find something. And they put him on his first NASA project. And for me, I was selling furniture in a store that I hated. And I was just like, man, I got to figure something out. And in that book, Napoleon Hill's book, there was a story about uh, Barnes who went to go to work for the Great Edison. And he was a railway bomb and, and threw caution to the wind, burnt the bridges and, and drove over to see Edison, took a job as a janitor. And five years later, he got an opportunity to sell the dictaphone and became one of the most successful business partners of Edison, uh, mm-hmm. selling that phone and other things. And it's a great story. And I said, you know, I need to be like this guy. I've always wanted to go to California. I've always, I've had this dream from the magazines that I was going to Competed the Mr. Universe contest. I was going to own a supplement company and sell products all over the world and live in Venice Beach, California. That was my dream. So I said, I need to get on that trot. So I took my, I sold everything I had, left the university, left everything, went out west, uh, took the plane and the train and the bus and came out here, met Joe Gold, mm. who ran Gold's Gym at the time, sure. he was running World Gym, and uh, trained there and talked to him and uh, got a lot of information for him, and he he gave me some sage advice, which I applied, and uh, began my career in the health and wellness industry, and never looked back. Wow. Hello, friends. I've got something for you that I've personally seen and continue to see the benefits from in my sleep and mood. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had your mind race with anxious thoughts when you lie down and fall asleep or those thoughts are the first thing you think about when waking up? Please tell me I'm not the only one because I like to think I'm human like the rest of you. But I'm happy to report that not only has my sleep improved, but those looping thoughts have almost completely vanished since I started taking two capsules of magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers before going to bed. As it turns out, magnesium is extremely important for mental and neurological health. Studies have shown that magnesium deficiency causes animals to be stressed and anxious, and in humans, a low magnesium diet is associated with anxiety and depression. Now, you might be taking magnesium already, and so was I. But here's what I didn't know. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming and sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I'm pumped and highly recommend Magnesium Breakthrough. And of course, I'd like to thank the team over at BioOptimizers for supporting this episode and improving my sleep and mental health and hopefully yours as well. So to save 10% when you try Magnesium Breakthrough, use the code BEHINDTHEHUMAN10 over at magbreakthrough.com forward slash behindthehuman. Also, for a limited time, Buy Optimizers is also giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P30M and Masszymes, with select purchases while supplies last. Check out the show notes for the direct link and code. I'm serious. This stuff is the real deal. Message me after you try because I'd love to hear about your results. Now back to the show. And when did the, the element of natural come up? Because yeah. I know that... You know, that's a pretty dicey ride (laughs) in that world. So I always envisioned that. And then um, in 1996, so I would have been um, 24 years old. I had been pursuing this dream for seven or eight years and became obvious that I was at at an extreme disadvantage. So I experimented with drugs for uh, about two years. And I would say there was... um, 
four really inexpensive, well, uh, uninformed little cycles that I did and, and had a certain amount of success. And then one that was a serious one under the guidance of a professional coach. Okay. Which, so I ended up winning a bunch of contests and, and then eventually going to the national championships. And at the national championships, I got done the national championships, had a meeting with my coach says, okay, here's what you need to do in order to go this. And at that time that we were switching from Dorian Yates to Ronnie Coleman. And I became really clear that, you know, it didn't really matter what I did for drugs or that sort of stuff that I was not going to beat those guys or the cost of beating those guys would certainly be a big problem. Okay. So health costs or financial costs? All of it. Hell, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, becoming the best in the world. People talk world-class. They have no idea what they're talking about. That's a term that's thrown around. Until you sat yeah. or stood in the room with 10, 20, 30, 100 of the best people in the world who are legitimately recognized by the world. And I, and I had that up and you're done. And so at that point, I realized, you know, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to need to move away from it. And I did. And, uh, but I, I said, you know, I, I didn't get in this to destroy my health. I didn't get into it to do this. And so I went back to my roots and went out West and I got, I started my business. And, and then a couple of years later, after a stint in partying wild and living their radical life as a, as a free spirit, because all this restriction stoicism for a decade, I was like, ah, I'm going to be a wild <laughs> man, right? Which I did and had a lot of fun, but almost killed myself. I had another uh, wonderful spiritual experience and I got into uh, meditation afterwards. And I remembered my spiritual teacher said in one of his writings that if something existed for you and was right, then even if it didn't exist, it wouldn't, it would be created for you. And I was like, well, I had a dream of being Mr. Universe and I never got to be that, but they just changed and they started putting in drug tested competitions. And I went, wait a minute. If I follow the drug tested competitions and I do this as a vegetarian meditating with no drugs and everybody said it wasn't possible, including my coach. This is crazy, Wade. Mm. I was like, yeah, but this yogi guy told me this was possible and it'd be created for you. Well, long story short, <laughs> two years after blowing myself on up on partying and engaging in a meditation lifestyle and, and following a vegetarian diet, I stood on stage as the national champion of Canada representing my country in Mumbai, India at the Mr. Universe contest. Amazing. And the cool part about that was, is leading up to that contest, the year before I, I had lost a Western championship to another guy, Kevin Weiss, and who was without a doubt the best bodybuilder in Canada at that time. And so I trained another year and then we were, we were scheduled to meet head to head at the national champions that year. And the IFBB, for the first time, I think it was either 54 or 56 years, changed the weight classes. <laughs> Putting him in one class, me in the other, we both won our classes and we both qualified. Had I went up against him directly, I probably would have lost. So my spiritual teacher was actually right. Yeah. And when I got back from the Mr. Universe concert, and when I went, they did a whole piece on me at the Hindustan Times um, because I was this plant-based vegetarian yogi guy, which really resonated. Oh, yeah. with so I was on the front of the sports page. <laughs> and then when I came back, um, 
Matt, my business partner, the co-founder of Bioptimizers, who I had helped become a personal trainer at West, he said, hey, dude, I'm making money online. Why don't we sell courses online? Your story is really great and unusual. I think we can make money. I'm like, nobody's making money online. He's like, yeah, well, and I said, and he goes, and I didn't even own a computer at the time. And he's like, you don't own a computer? And I'm like, you're making money online? We didn't believe each other. So let's start a company. And that was the foundation of Bioptimizers. Oh, wow. I didn't know that part of the story. Yeah, most people don't know that no. story. And we, we laugh about it all the time because he's very digitally adept. He's very up to date. And I, I'm an old school curmudgeon kind of guy that, you know, I'm barbells, dumbbells, real world, yeah. backwards, you know, mentality of, you know, you know, it's a very basic, practical, rough around the edges style. And he's very technologically innovative. And that yin and yang or that push pull has allowed us to develop the company we have. Wow. Well, that explains at least what I was seeing with the education component of, of the products. Like that's what I was super interested in, in learning about since it seems like the company started there first. Like then, you know, there's no I think you're very well known for your your magnesium product, right? And it's it seems yeah. quite unique from because it's not like there's a shortage of magnesium options no. out there, uh, no. but there there are no other options that you know have the from my understanding that the, all seven compounds, right? Like how how did all that come to be? And and I'd love like just for people that are brand new to the space, like just maybe some questions to to start thinking about their health in, in, in this, in this light or this perspective, because there's just so much noise out there. I find, you know, oh, right. Like how do you sift through, you know, what's real, what's not, what's just a marketing pitch type thing, you know, the public discourse has gone to noise, but there are signals within the noise that you've got to sort out. Okay. Yes. I like how do you find so, so you, you, and, and, and ultimately what is the result? Yeah. Are they producing the result they want? Because that's the only thing that's true. And I'm not talking glossed over whatever result. And so when we started the company, we were focused only on education. Mm -hmm. And then with my own digestive stress and, and that we went through and we had to figure out the solutions to that and then apply them in a, in, in a better manner. We, we decided when we entered the supplement industry, we're like, we're only doing first in class, best in class mentality. If we can't, first, if we can't find a product that will solve the problem that we see, then that means that's a good idea to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd just rather tell people about whatever. And we routinely have all kinds of different products and services on my podcast because I'm like, hey, Bob or Mary makes this and I use it and I like it. And here, here's what I found that works. And all of that goes into a philosophy of excellence. I was able to achieve unusual results because I was able to find, I've been fortunate enough to find experts that were able to uh, help me overcome limitations within my diet and, and limitations in my phys physiology, limitations within my psyche or my, like all that. Because mm -hmm. there's limitation, you have to accept there's limitations with every dietary philosophy, every education system, everything. There, there, there are benefits and liabilities. You, you try and take what works and throw away what's rest without abandoning core principles, which are ubiquitous through very many systems, you know, consistency over time, yeah, right? Natural versus, uh, you know, chemical, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, slow and steady progress over radical jumps. There's reasons for that. Um, and, and, and we live in an instant world and we're suffering the consequences of that. 
So we started addressing the first in class, best in class in combination with education because you need better education for a product. When someone looks at an enzyme product or someone looks at a magnesium, well, why is your product more than this one? Why does this, what's the difference here? It looks like it's the same. What's the difference? So you have to be able to explain the nuances, the details, the refinement, what makes this excellent because there's nothing more expensive than a product that doesn't work. And the approach of most supplement companies are what's hot, what's in store, how can I white label a mishmash of maybes in a bottle, throw up some pseudoscience or some borrowed on research that you can make some extraneous conclusions that support you buying this, um, which you don't take because it's a band-aid to a poor solution yourself. It's hopes in a bottle that will leave rotting on your shelf. And the company leaves the consumer disappointed, disillusioned, and sets them up for the next round. They close that company down. They open another one. They get some slick marketing, big margins, all that stuff, white label, turn and burn. and go Rinse on and repeat. <laughs> you know, and go to the affiliate conferences, go to some of these uh, underground things. And, and there's two sets of people. There are really awesome, integrous, connected, well-meaning, um, mission-centric individuals who, who are putting out the best work possible. And then there's the profiteers, mm. right? And the profiteers, every year you go back is they're on a new thing and they're on another thing. And they're on the, the latest gimmick, the latest gadget, the latest hook, the newest channel. And we built a brand over um, a long period of time. We've been at this 17 years now. Wow. We didn't pay ourselves for 10 years because there wasn't margin. Mm-hmm. It's not mar- you don't have the same margins to work with. You don't have the same advertising budget. You don't have the same things that you can dole out. We ended up paying affiliates more than ourselves in order to get them to purchase or to promote these products or to try these products so that they could take the time and effort to get the message out with their message. And so, but over time, we built a reputation. Yeah. And the other thing is, is I routinely give away my entire philosophy for health education. Because you can't supplement your way out of the fundamentals. Mm, and good so point. I give that away. It's the awesome health course. I give it away. Everybody, everybody that comes to my company gets it. It's 12 weeks, 84 videos, 5 to 15 minutes, a collection of over 30 years of my experience, who I learned it from, what I learned, what the synthesis is, and what you can integrate today in a sequential process, but using first principles, critical thinking applied to cellular function and overall health. And so this philosophy became the foundation. And then that's led to uh, many of the products, the webinars, the seminars, and, and, and what we do. And so we try and find holes in the game okay. and fill those holes eloquently and efficiently with uh, products and good education. And we back everything with a money-back guarantee. If people don't like our product, yeah, hey, it didn't work for them for whatever reason. Well, that's, that's on us. Yeah, We've yeah. sold them something that we thought might have helped them or they thought that and it was either the wrong message the wrong product whatever that happens to be guess what thank you for thank you for taking a chance we give you your money back you go back in into the pool again until you find what that solution is and, and can i help you direct you to the person the place the thing in order to do that yeah and that's how we built our company and that and now we're one of the most trusted brands in biohacking industry 
All right. Hello, friends. I have something to admit to you all. I am no longer recording this show out of my Mini Cooper. And surprise if you didn't know that. Thanks to the awesome humans over at Loop Phone Booths, I'm recording two podcasts in their flex booth at home. I'm also recording my audiobook, Personal Socrates, in this booth while my five-year-old is running around downstairs screaming, being a five-year-old. The booth rocks. So if you're looking for a space to take calls, record in, or just find a little quiet in your day, check them out. They're over at loopphonebooths.com. Now back to the show. Well, you can feel it. And it's, uh, you know, again, we were, we were chatting a little bit before we hit record that, I mean, obviously people listening to this, they've probably already heard the, the ad read for uh, your magnesium product and have heard that, you know, I tried it. And I think even, I remember when, when your team reached out, I was hesitant because of the industry, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but then we got into some of the literature and, you know, I recognize obviously some, some names as well in the space and the damn product works. <laughs> like that's the big thing, right? Yeah. I immediately felt the difference. I was like, holy shit, like this. And I was taking magnesium already because I was on uh, just a, a quick story. I, I was on my own health journey of being on uh, PPIs for, for heartburn for right. 15 years Wow. Disgusting. Wait, disgusting. And never right right out of university. And in those 15 years, I probably moved five, six times, meaning had different family physicians every time. And not one question this this long-term use, you know, of of this drug. And it just for especially the last five years, just did not feel right. Like did not not my body felt okay, but it didn't feel right taking this. Like there's got to be a different way. And finally I linked up with some MDs out in Houston, actually Texas, and they were, they're transitioning into integrative health. And we spent six months together. I was, I was leading some of their mental fitness and helping them start their podcast. And then they were kind of helping me. And we spent six months on diet stuff, uh, did a real wide opening, I'd say of, you know, how, what I was putting in my body. And I thought I was eating pretty healthy. Um, but just really getting granular on, on, on what was happening. We, we, that's when the magnesium started as well. And we transitioned transitioned off two weeks. It was a bit rough, but knock on wood right now, I've been off those for probably over six months with zero symptoms. That's awesome. And, I love that you know, story. Right. And it's just before that it was, uh, well, it might have to go, you know, do a surgery and like close up the valve and like, holy smokes. I mean, it, it took work obviously. And I'm still, you know, really conscious of, of, of what's going in and coming out of my body essentially, but there are options, yeah. you know? And I think, you know, that's what I wanted to ask you about. It's just, we don't know obviously where people are at on the other end of the, uh, for the, for the listeners, but if, if anyone there and just with this audience, I know they're, they're motivated with their health despite what they're going through, like what, what are just some general questions that, you know, you've come across or you've reflected on over your health journey to just kind of pause and, and think about some other approaches or, you know? Well, first and foremost, we have to recognize that we are in a sea of confusion. <laughs> yeah. No matter people are focused on the wrong things from the wrong people at the wrong time. Well, how do I mean by that? So we have what's called a health model. Mm-hmm. That isn't about healthcare, it's sick care. Yeah. 
And if you look at the actual literature, if you actually take the time to look at the New England Journal of Medicine, one of the most prestigious periodicals in the world, and it's right at the start of it, they say, we do not cure illnesses. We treat the symptoms of disease. Mm -hmm. What is a disease? A disease is a collected group of associated conditions, reports, whatever, that has a label. Yeah. And what they're providing you is a medical solution and a pill, a surgery or whatever. Yeah. That alleviates the symptoms that's associated with that disease. So we're not dealing with first cause. We're not looking to solve the problem because the doctor thinks that you're not smart enough or motivated enough to change your life. Yeah, absolutely. That's essentially what it's saying. So now... If you go into the health world, we are involved in what I call dietary tribalism. What that means are is there's the, the ketoites versus the paleotarians versus the veganites. <laughs> and these become like tribalistic mentalities that have their do's and don'ts and what's right and what's not. And their advocates and avatars, the chieftains of the tribe and the followers, and they battle back and forth. And most people look at, well, what's your diet, right? I need to go to this diet, that diet, whatever. Every diet has advantages and disadvantages. And sometimes the advantages will alleviate the symptoms of something for a while, Mm -hmm. but it'll set up something else. And sometimes it'll exaggerate the conditions. And that's when you get on a, uh, a Pareto distribution or a standard bell curve of distribution, the, the zealots, the people where it fixed everything and cured their illness and everything, they're the people on the testimonial page. Yeah, yeah. And the people that are fighting against them are the people that tried that and it was the worst thing for them. And they had all these horrible symptoms and everybody's in some distribution between those curves. And that's how we, and then whatever so gets true. On, that's what happens. I'm writing about this in a new book. It's coming out next year. Matt and I are doing a book. Matt's a keto guy. I'm a vegetarian. Yes. Yeah. When we own the same company and get along just fine. Shocking. (laughs) And so what's, if you're looking at your health, you have to be able to go back to first principles and apply critical thinking. So as a human organism, what is the single unit that is ubiquitous through the body? The human cell. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in order for the cell to function properly, what are the things it needs first, second, third, in orders of magnitude? And people are focused on diet. And I go, well, how long can you go without food? Months. Yeah. It's not pleasant, but you can go months. Yeah. How long can you go without water? That's less. Not very long. Not very long. Yeah. Week. So which is more important, water or food? Mm. All right. Yeah. Now, how long is water number one? Well, how long can you go without air? Hmm. Yes. yes. Less than water. Okay. So cells need oxygen first and essentially the removal of waste from cellular respiration. Number two, in order to do this, it needs proper hydration. And we don't even, people don't even know what people, what they classify as water. Water is a the great mystery of the whole topic in itself. Yeah. And then Let's go. Do we go to food next? No, because if you strap someone to a bed, like you see someone infirm or they've broken a leg or whatever, every single metric that you measure goes down. Health, vitality, 
consciousness, cognitive capabilities, digestive system, eliminations. Like you, every system begins to fail when you don't move. Therefore, movement is superior to food itself. And then I was more of a physicist than I was a biologist. A biologist. And when I look at physics, it's all light frequency vibration. So I was like, so food is really a vibration. Minerals are a vibration. Like all these things are frequencies and vibrations. So if there seems to be a lot of disparities between diets, obviously diets aren't the answer. And it's because, and if it seems that people are going to the healthcare system, but when we look at the evidence that every dollar spent in the United States on healthcare ends up, it ends up in the result effect that we lose more life and we have a, a, a more of a disability adjusted life expectancy. Obviously that system isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. We need a new system. We need to apply critical thinking. And this is what over the course of my career, I developed the awesome health philosophy and awesome is an acronym that leads to these first principles. Okay. First principle being air, second principle being water, third principle being exercise, fourth, looking at the food consumption or energy consumption from a form of sunlight, condensed waves, then moving into what are the things that make the cell function? Enzymes and probiotics are the only thing that do work. So you need more workers, essential minerals, essential vitamins, essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, and herbs, which move pranic energy in the body in different areas or take away pathogenic uh, organisms, which are damaging you. And then in order to get that, to really put it all together, you need the right mental belief and attitude. If you have a great attitude, great belief system, you can overcome a lot of bad health things. Yeah. And you can do everything right. If you have a lousy attitude, you're not going to get anywhere. And then finally, what is the fastest route to get there? Well, that's the last piece of the awesome formula, et cetera. Education, testing, and coaching. Education means to learn from within. You learn from within by running a test in the outside world that you can then deduce from. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And what's the fastest way that you can run the right tests and accelerate your education? Well, you get a coach, someone that's been there and done that and knows the pathway. And then you put that all into the principles. So because we as humans, we have limited amount of resources. So spend time on air, deep breathing, regular practice of breathing, regular consumption of water that hydrates you fully exercise on a daily basis to invoke energy, uh, uh, an electron rich diet that gives you a a lot of energy. And then the application of the limitations within whatever dietary philosophy you're using to get enough workers and the, and the essential minerals that are you're deficient in and essential vitamins and essential fat, get those into the system as your dietary adjuncts. Sure. And then make sure that you are bathing yourself in the right mental attitude every day so that you're moving in the direction, not caught up in the milieu of mediocrity. And then in order to do that, you better find yourself a coach that's going to keep you on track because otherwise you'll get caught in the tides of humanity and yeah. be washed away into nothing. Into autopilot. Yeah. So that's the philosophy that I came up with. And I give it away on the website. It's on my app, the Bioptimizer app. And I, I give it away because it was gifted to me through a, a wonderful group of masters who I was able to condense that all into that formula. Stunning. Stunning. Um, 
wait, I just want to be conscious of time. Are are you able to go over a bit or? Yeah, I can go over a bit. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's my last event of the day. So, you know, we get into this and you're asking great questions. Okay. Thank you. Give me the license to blabber on. (laughs) Well, that's a great, I love that formula. And I think it's, it's interesting. I, well, I shared the story about how I was working with those physicians and we interviewed a ton of different experts across all types of, of, of areas in health. And we did a series on longevity. We did a series on immunity and everything came back to the basics. Yeah. Sleep, right? Sleep and exercise, like all of the, just to your point, like back to the first principles and to the basics, like we over complexify things so often that, you know, just like pause for a second, get to the basics. And then, and then you can, you can start being a little bit more detailed, obviously in these, these things, but I love your, like, we have to breathe. <laughs> and off, I, as I'm saying that, I can feel myself hunched over, right? Like, we, it, it happens yep. all the time. Yep. It's it's amazing. Um, well, I, I'll definitely start wrapping up because I, I do want to be conscious of your time. But, I mean, a few questions. I'd love to know just where you're at right now with some of your regular practices when it comes to your mental fitness. And, yeah, you know, question. just any type of rituals or things that are non-negotiables in your life right now. Yes. Um, so I get up right now around somewhere between usually 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. Okay. And I have a deep breathing practice and uh, meditation. And then I do some studies, some spiritual studies, some contemplation. Yeah. And then I go to, uh, I fill up with my water and my vitamins and my nootropics, which are cognitive enhancers that we develop, which are extraordinary, a company called Nootopia. And then I head off to the gym and I engage in, in a vigorous exercise over at Gold's Gym here in Venice <laughs> Beach. And if, when that's closed, I have a gym on my roof as well because I was in the COVID situation. So I wasn't going to let the yeah. society dictate my life. Yeah. And upon getting back, I have my breakfast. And then I usually, usually listen um, while I'm having my breakfast or stuff as about some points on a variety of areas. Um, geopolitics, mm. um, medicine because there's obviously some big uh, issues going on in the world right now as we're becoming under digital and medical tyranny um, and trying to trying to sort through the signals from the noise on both of those things because they're impacting us as well as economics. Okay. And then my day is consumed by health because I'm around my area of expertise or my pr- given pursuit allows me to do interviews like this or talk to other people in the yeah. health world. So I'm, I'm getting, this is my area where I learn where I'm spending most time, but I try to balance out my flat spots with that little bit of infusion early in the day. Is that through podcasts um, or what, how do you, how do yeah, you- podcasts primarily because you have to, and you have to go outside of the big channels. You got to go on, you got to go on rumble or telegram okay. or some of these other things. Cause they've, They've choked out so many voices right now, like real world bona fide experts who have the courage to step up and challenge some of the current narratives. And so I sort source those out and share sources with other people, essentially in the dark web (laughs) to try and get a a clearer picture of what's going on and, and how I came to that conclusion. This is important because I'm in the field of health and I can turn on, I can go to the store and watch a magazine. I can see what comes on the news. I can whatever. 
And most of what's being broadcast on the mainstream narratives is absolute garbage Mm -hmm. or so limited in its scope and context that it is of zero value. So if I know that's happening in my field, yeah, 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 yeah. Health, what's the likelihood that's happening in finance and health and religion and politics and economic? It's probably the same thing. Yeah. So can I find people within those areas that are exuding excellence and almost all of them would be considered contrarians by the public? So I'm a bit of a contrarian by nature. So, sure. I, so I do have a bias in that level. And you have to explore your biases. So I, I seek out um, kind of contrarian rebel type thinkers, not in a way, hey, we got to, you know, down with the, the, the fiefdom kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. It's more like, wait a second, can, can, we, can we ask some hard questions here? Can we look at, can we sort between the noise and the signal as you illustrated earlier and then in, like get into that? And so what's beautiful about the internet is these sources are there, but they're, they're, they're trying to squelch them. But the more they squelch them, the more new platforms are emerging. It's like, you can't stop the signal. <laughs> I think that was a movie. Yeah, yeah, to totally. broadcast. Like, I love that scene. Can't stop the signal. And I think um, we're in that time where uh, the survival of the species is, is, is about us tuning into the signals and getting away from the noise Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that's the human condition throughout history. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's no different than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's how I and I go about my day, do my work thing, and then the afternoon go for a walk, uh, try and recapture and summarize what I did that day, learn that day. Maybe do a little study in the evening, something fun. Sure. And then sure. back back at it again the next day. Love it. Well, I imagine. I mean, there's there's a few things that I've taken from that. Uh, that set of practices, let's say, but I always ask a question like that because everyone's so different that there's, there's gotta be something in there that resonates with someone on the other side that maybe, Hey, I can tweak my routine a bit or, or offer up a, you know, a different perspective to what they're doing. And again, like, I I just love the, the narrative around just stop and and ask some questions, right. And just, just think, right. And I think a, a society in general, I mean, it's just not set up like that right now. It doesn't, doesn't matter. As soon as you walk out your door and not even walk out your door, like you said, you can lift up your phone and, and you're in that autopilot and you can be on that nonstop. And, you know, if you're in the supermarket, there, there's, it, it's all driven to, to, to put you on this autopilot that unfortunately does not have your best interests at heart. Um, there's a great thing that people can do to prove this. Pick the next weekend that you can, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a holiday weekend is a good one. Yeah. Leave your phone home for three days in a row. Go out in the world without your phone. Observe people. Go to the, do the things that, you know, go to the gym, go to the grocery store, go to the restaurant, Walk around the world and see what life is like with your phone, out your phone. Yeah. And you will see how hooked the world is. They are literally living in a virtual fantasy world that has been created by various peoples. And I I routinely watch people walk into traffic on their phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Walk into traffic. Yeah. Well, and I think the other, the byproduct as well, you will obviously notice that, that we're in that loop. But the other thing is, you start becoming aware of how how present you can then become and 
you know, the, the beautiful advantages of seeing the detail in front of you and noticing the people, or if you're taking a walk, you know, actually seeing and smelling what's, what's around you. And what I always say is the more you do that, the more that transfers into your, your regular life as well. All of a sudden you start seeing more detail in your work or you start seeing the signs and you fall. It's just, it's a loop that you want to be in versus the other loop that is destructive. Right. Yeah. And so we've become um, pseudo cybernetic organisms with the fusion of technology and our carbon brains have not adapted to rapid silicon extensions of those brains. Yeah, yeah. And so we're, we're caught in this existential crisis that we kind of illustrated before. I was like homo sapien is in, is now created an evolutionary response, homo digitalis, homo geneticus with genetic engineering, you know, a genetic digitalis, yeah. homo sapien, <laughs> homo, um, you know, whateverness, you know, there's going to be all these different v- versions that are going to emerge because there's external pressures that we're not aware of that is driving mutation in the species. Mm-hmm. And if everybody gets hooked on, a lot of people are believing that AIs are going to be the gods of the future. And maybe that's true. But what happens if we get a radical solar flare that knocks out everybody after a hundred years of dependency on uh, carbon-based systems? Well, yeah. guess what? You just exterminated that species. Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. So it's not what we can plan for. It's what we can't plan for. And that takes a very big degree of humility. And I, I don't know how to equip with those equations. So then you're left with, well, what can I do? What, what can I initiate? Mm-hmm. And what brings me the most amount of joy and value? And how can I be of service? And that I, I've decided that being of service in my life to the best of my ability with the passions and pursuits that I have is the most noble pursuit that I can do. I might be wrong in what I do, or I might not quite hit the mark. Yeah. However, I'm noble within the effort and generally the, the, the scope of my life moving forward advanced the ball forward as opposed to held back the system. And, and now we're seeing incredible amounts of evidence of it every week when we hear all these great stories about people's lives improving yeah. from using our products, our services, our education. And then we review them every week with our entire team so that we never lose sight of the customer. We never lose sight of the mission. We never lose sight that we're here to help people where they're at and, 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 and move them forward so that they can do what their gifts are in the world. Love it. Well, full circle, I mean, focus on the present. And we're, we're reminded that, you know, life can be short. We don't know what's, what's about to come. Um, but if we can focus and do our best work in the present moment and, and truly, you know, be of service and help other people and enjoy the ride along the way, not a bad formula. So, you know, I, I want to, we could talk for hours. That, that's clearly, but I want to respect your time and Thank you, Wade, A, for, for making time to come on the show, but also as a higher thank you, just for you dedicating your energy and your, you know, work and showing up every day to help other people out there. I mean, I've personally been on the receiving end of that, obviously, over the last uh, couple months. And uh, you've left me with some some really valuable teachings and, and, and things to, to try. And I'm only one person. I can imagine how many people are out there. So thank you for that. 
Thank you very much. It makes my day. I, uh, I live for that. There's nothing, there's nothing gives me more satisfaction to see people a little happier, a little healthier and suffering a little less on this thing called the human condition. Well said. 